Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast. I'm joined by a special guest and a good friend of mine and uh, excited to talk um, some new styles of hunting that I'm going to be implementing, and uh, and I'm excited to talk with a man who does it and does it well. We have Mr. Zach Farrenball from The Hunting Public. Zach, how are you, man? All doing pretty well. A lot, a lot of uh, stress before this turkey hunt that I'm going on. I'm headed to Montana right now, and just like, you know, one of those classic situations where you're like, oh, it's going to be easy and I'll just pack all my stuff. I'll get some work done and pack some stuff. And next thing you know, it's like an hour later than you wanted it to be. And you're trying to get everything done. But now that I'm on the road, I'm feeling a lot more content. <laughs> That's how it goes, man. Now, you've yeah. been on a you've been on a, a turkey slaying tour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What all states have you what all states have you killed in already this year? Um. Yes, well, that's I, a good problem. I if, you, if you have to start it with a, uh, that's a good problem. <laughs> well, I guess I guess I'll include the places that I that I uh, filmed as well. Uh, I've been in South Florida, North Florida, um, Alabama, Georgia, and uh, let's think Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio, and then Oregon. That's that's seven so far, and then I'm on my way to Montana, which will be eight, and then we'll be in Wyoming, and that'll be nine. And then Colorado, maybe a little Nebraska in there, so ten or eleven. So, yeah, that's definitely, awesome. definitely getting some, uh, definitely getting some ground covered, and you know, it's there's really nothing else I'd rather do this time of year other than go turkey hunting. I mean, it's just turkey hunting has always been a huge passion of mine and i mean i love deer and turkey hunting and and now other types of hunting big game hunting too but um turkey i feel like was kind of for me personally just the the big the big hook where i was like man i'm completely addicted In and obsessed mile, with this use the left two lanes to turn left onto Spear Boulevard. now what's been your favorite state to turkey hunting so far um hard to pick a state i like any of the um mountainous stuff i guess i like appalachia that's probably my favorite area to hunt and a lot of that i think just has to do with where i really got hooked on it when i was in college i lived in southern ohio and anywhere where there you know there's a lot of hills down there so anywhere where there's hills reminds me of that and uh, i just love those eastern hills man there's just something about them that's uh like home that's my favorite, but then again, the coolest part about hunting turkeys is, is they take you anywhere. So you can hunt right. turkeys in every state except for Alaska. So <laughs> now, I've only got problem. I've only got one problem with turkey hunting, and that's within an hour, an hour and a half, I can be um, in hogs, and I can shoot as many hogs as I want with any method I want. Any you know, night or day, thermals, dogs, bows, guns tannerite whatever you want to hunt hogs with you can do it um so it's like if i get free time I'm like man one turkey or do i want to go kill as many hogs as i can in a, in a weekend you know yeah. um that's the only problem i run into with turkey hunting uh i'll go every once in a while if a buddy invites me or something but usually if it's you know i got time away um i usually find myself chasing hogs yeah i could i mean i could see where the opportunity definitely out you know is is what uh gets you out there and hogs definitely i would say have more opportunity i i think uh 
you know, the big thing for me has become the traveling. So, like, even if I'm going to a place where you can only shoot one, it's like, again, the cool part about turkeys is you can just jump a border of a state line and and you get buy another tag and you're off. And for, for the most part, at least, there's some states that are a little bit more difficult. But yeah, no, I will say with, that. I will say that though. Um, wait, before we get too far into this, I do have my buddy Aaron Zish on the phone with us as well. Hello. How's it going? He, uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of pick your brain on hunting public ground, and uh, and doing it from the ground, and and we're excited to kind of uh, implement some of those strategies this year. So uh, I wanted him on. Uh, we're gonna be traveling to some public ground and and uh, implementing some of those methods. But we went out to one of my properties um, this Saturday, and the southern border of that property is Oklahoma. So. I see what you're saying. I can hunt Kansas and kill my bird and then jump the border into Oklahoma yep. and, and, you know, not even change the area I'm hunting, just literally one road and, uh, and it's yeah. just a little tractor path. It's not even a real road. Um, yeah. So, no, I see what you're saying there. Um, now, before we dive in, I do need to give a quick thank you to our friends over at Selway Archery. Uh, they make the absolute, hands-down, best quivers uh, for a recurve longbow. And it's my understanding uh, Zach, that you are getting into a recurve. Um, yeah. and so, man, you'll have to check out the grayling quiver from Selway if you haven't already. Um, it's branded with bear archery. It's the old school green looking, um, original looking, uh, hood, uh, that, that Fred bear used to run. So it's just a really cool quiver made by Selway. Um, so go check out Selway for all their quivers because they make some fantastic quivers. Um, now, Let's dive in, man. What really made you get into this this ground hunting and, and this you know aggressive style of whitetail hunting? Turkeys. <laughs> I, I like turkey hunting better for so long, and I I was like, man, there's got to be more to deer hunting than just sitting in a tree stand because, you know, hunting turkeys, I was getting way more joy out of it because I was moving around and I was, you know, using all different types of... Uh, situations to move on turkeys and get closer and really push that uh, you know really just push it to see how close I could get to him before I would start calling and um just felt like in a tree stand I was just getting it was like I was just getting by and then the the, the climax of a deer hunt in a tree stand is obviously one coming down the trail and you get a good shot at it and you make the shot and the deer goes down and but that time of the thrill is so short in a tree stand, it seems like. Don't get me wrong, you know, every situation is a little bit different. But I felt like being on the ground, uh, I could just kind of get a little bit closer to that thrill of the turkey hunt that I had. And just constantly moving around, I feel like, keeps me sharper. So I was just wanting to get more out of deer hunting. And it was just, uh, I don't know, it really just... I, I hate to say that I was bored because deer hunting was still one of my favorite things, but you know, looking back on it now, I was bored. <laughs> you know, no, no man, yeah, I remember that. my first my first out western hunt, uh, you know, spot and stalk hunt uh, was a bear hunt, and I remember halfway through that hunt thinking like, what I do isn't hunting. Yeah, um, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. I mean, I, I, know, I don't mean to sound like a like. You, you know, like I don't want to put anything down. It's not. It's not hunting, at least in the way that I would describe hunting to somebody. It's just waiting, and I mean, it's it's setting up and waiting and hoping and hunting. In my opinion, like the definition would be the pursuit of game, right? Like if you're hunting deer, it would be the pursuit of deer. Where hunting out of a tree stand, you know, there's really nothing about that that's a pursuit. It's just kind of getting out there and putting yourself in the middle of it and, and not that there there doesn't i mean i'm not trying to discredit somebody that sits in a tree stand by any means obviously like that's just one of those things like it's an effective strategy but well those who hunt out of a tree stand uh which that's myself included right now uh but it, that's all about scouting um, yeah it's, yeah it's not about hunting. It's about scouting. Um, but and, ground and, you know, hunting, but ground hunting is actually more about scouting. It's just a different type of and a different right. timing of scouting. You know, yeah, I, yes, it's about scouting and then just picking picking a spot that you feel so confident that the deer are going to be there uh, that that it's worth you know putting a bunch of time into it. And 
you know, there definitely is a lot of skill that goes into that. It definitely takes a different type of patience than somebody that ground hunts. And, you know, again, by all means, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like I'm not giving credit to people that are effective out of tree stands. It's just, I, th- I think my biggest thing is always just, if you're like me and you're, you want something more out of deer hunting, you know, don't be afraid to get out of that comfort zone and get on the ground and mix it up a little bit. I, I totally understand what you're saying because, you know, like, okay, so in 2018 in Nebraska, that was, you did a spot and stock on a deer. I'm pretty sure you said that was like your first spot and stock on a buck, right? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, not the, it wasn't like the first time I had ground hunted. You know, I'd been doing it for a couple, se- well, yeah, a couple seasons at that point. But that was the first time that I actually got to stalk a bedded buck. You know, I was actually making right. moves right. towards the deer. So yeah, that was the first, I guess, official stalk. Yeah, I I remember watching that episode over my lunch break, and my mind was just blown because like I had gone from, you know, in Kansas hunting over corn piles and really had gotten, like you had said, kind of boring. Mm. And I remember watching that episode and just like seeing the excitement and like, it felt like I was living the episode with you guys. And I was <laughs> like, ever since that day and well, and then you're following, you know, spot and stocks that you start doing a lot more of, uh-huh. you know, that, that was like game changer for me. I mean, that was, that was pivotal. So you know, because I, I grew up doing pretty much just corn piles, feeders, salt blocks, and it got it got boring. Yeah. You yeah, know? I think. Yeah, I think that it's it's one of those things, too. If it's so my, my friend Keith said one time. Think about how easy it would be to get out of it. And what he was referring to is, is like, you know, if somebody that kind of got you into hunting or your peers around you are telling you this is the only way that you do it is to get in a tree stand and sit and, you know, in some situations over bait or, you know, over a food plot or whatever it may be, you kind of get to where you're like, well, I guess this is the only thing I can do. And like, you know, after a while, if you don't like it, well, then you just quit doing it. So it's like, you know, you're taught that there's only one way to do things and, you know, there absolutely is not only one way to do things. And it doesn't matter what type of habitat or terrain you're in or what part of the country, you, know, you can be effective doing this. And and the reason I know that is because I've either been there and tried it or, you know, I know people that use the same tactics and style oh, and are effective. Don't, don't under, uh, under pat yourself on the back because you're super successful at it. I'll tell you where my frustration come in and maybe it's the same for you. Um, and again, it goes back to that first kind of out Western spot and stalk hunt. And, uh, and I came home just thinking like, well, hunting deer out of a tree stand all comes down to luck of the draw. I mean, I can do all the scouting in the world, find the best tree in the world, but if that deer doesn't walk by, it doesn't walk by. And, uh, and, and, you know, you hear guys and like, I don't have a good wind in the morning, so I can't go hunting. Um, and I'm like, that's a sad way yeah. to have to hunt, you know? Um, oh, yeah. And so I just got, I just got so like overwhelmed with tree stands are so, and, and saddles really help in that. Um, I mean, you know, if you, if you're mobile with a saddle, that really helps, but tree stands are so limiting in, well, this is the wind I have to hunt that stand. If I don't have that, that wind, I can't go hunt. Um, or if I see that deer at 200 yards bed down, um, you know, you see guys on TV and they're just sitting in their tree stand waiting for this, this buck to stand up and, and it's at 200 yards and I'm like, get down and go get it. You know, like, oh, out yeah. there. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I watched a hunt of Fred Eichler's and, and, uh, you know, Fred's a good friend of mine and, uh, and obviously I respect him immensely. Um, but you know, I watched a video of him and he was sitting there, um, kind of in a makeshift ground blind behind some hay bales and, and, uh, this giant mule deer beds down. And, uh, I think he ended up waiting like two and a half, three hours. And I'm like, man, just crawl up there a little bit, you know, right. um, yeah. it's only like 60 yards. Uh, so you only got to crawl, you know, 40 feet, uh, or 40 yards and, and get within range of that thing. But uh, I mean, it still worked out for him, but still, you know, I'm just like, man, it's so restricting when we, 
when we limit ourselves to this is where I'm hunting and this is the wind I have to hunt with it and the deer have to come down this path because I cut this shooting lane. Um, yeah. It's just restricting. Yeah, for sure. That's And, you know, like you touched on, there's there's definitely ways to become less restricting hunting out of a tree, whether that be a really light mobile tree stand or a tree saddle. But and just just having that ability to move immediately is is what i really like about the ground hunting it just there's no there's no like uh well for example i'll throw a situation out there i think you know a lot of uh mobile tree tree hunters they are in a situation where like a hot doe runs out at like 80 yards and she goes down a trail that's you know out of range and one buck follows her, two buck follows her, you know, and usually at buck number three down the trail, you're like, I got to get the heck over there. Um, I think, you know, instead of having to pull all the stuff down or even just take the time to climb down, it's like, as soon as that doe goes through there, I'm walking there right now. You know, like there's no, there's no time missed. I'm not, there's not even me stepping down one step on a tree step, you know, on a on a ladder like i'm gone i'm I'm already on my way and i think to me that's just the the most freeing part about it and it it is really just overall an extremely freeing way to hunt you're not confined to anything you can move and so one thing i have to ask you about zach is so on a lot of your episodes when you do these spot and stocks like um like in nebraska or uh, the one in the cottonwoods when you're up on the canyon you know, yeah. looking down the canyon, um, you know, when you watch the episode, it feels like, you know, like it's a 30 minute deal, but in reality, you talk about it, it's hours. Yeah. And like, it's, I find one thing that I'm horrible at that I watch you do so well is like, you can go from running and goofing around <laughs> to slowing down and barely moving. Yeah. So it's just like, it's really interesting to me how you can like snap into it and just I mean, be inching towards a buck when you were just, you know, high-fiving and goofing around and running, you know. And that's yeah. that's something oh, yeah, I've struggled with for sure. Last year was my first spot in stock, and it was on a doe. And, like, and you know, it was after, I mean, watching your videos, actually. So it was kind of, it was fueled by that. But it was the first time I had actually successfully slowed down enough to not spook the animal. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh yeah. Were you, yeah, were think, you always this good that, at it? Oh no, no, I <laughs> definitely not. I think I do think though that I mean I talk I talk a lot about turkey hunting and and I, not everybody likes to hear it because not everybody likes turkey hunting. But like a lot of the things that I learned that I feel like have made me much more effective with bow hunting here on the ground is just hunting turkeys man like you just start to learn what you can get away with and you just get so much repetition where like with a big buck you don't stalk a big buck every day but you can pretty much you know be hunting turkeys and be around turkeys pretty much every time you go out not every time but you know and that and that's obviously like we go down a rabbit hole of you know getting around turkeys but like if you're around turkeys you just get a lot more repetition and in general turkey hunting you just get reps and i think that hunting turkeys for so many days of my life starting in college it's just like that's repetition that i think helped a, a lot more than you know a lot of people would give credit towards i guess it's just you know you just learn what you can get away with and what you can't i think that's a big part of it but um the other thing i guess to touch on that you you had mentioned is like that ability to run and you know be moving out and to slowing down in an instant and i think a lot of it is i mean there's two there's two parts of it one part in the basic sense is just like why why i can go so slow and be patient with it i think the main reason is is i'm just focused like it's the one time that i can be extremely focused and a lot of times what's going through my head specifically is if I let up for one second, it's all over. It's and like all, all, yeah. all season, all summer, all spring, all whatever, is like building up to this one moment. And if I take one second off, 
And I'm going to never forget it. I will never forget and I will never let myself live with the fact that I gave up. I just gave up is really what it is. Because like, yeah. if you're focused 100% on that task, like it, it, I mean, there's, you know, obviously experience helps. And I think, I do think like being in at least decent shape helps, you know, to just be able to like, get through it because sometimes it is physically demanding, but like, if you don't take a second off, you basically don't take a play off and you just, you know, play th- to the clock. Like it, it, it you stay really focused. And, and to be honest in, in tree stand hunting, I'm sitting there looking at my phone. I'm looking at oh, some yeah. other animal. I'm like, you know, I don't know, just dinking around with whatever, like looking at my bow, like drawing my bow, messing around too much. And I mean, yeah. Or talking to a buddy, honestly, that's what I do mostly. It's just I'm sitting up there with somebody in a tree stand. It's just like I'm just talking the entire time. And, you know, I've messed up some hunts because of that. And with with when you get in the moment and you know that it's like, I guess, do or die with being quiet and making all the right moves, it's you just kind of got to fall into it and trust. Always trust it, too, like. Trust that if you take your time, it's going to be okay. I hear the classic tale all the time. And I've, I've probably done this. I can't think of any like real great examples, but I'll use my dad as an example, kind of throw him under the bus. So he, he saw a buck bedded a couple seasons ago. We were hunting um, in Ohio and he saw a buck just bedded and not just bedded, but like so worn out because he was chasing does that his head was flat on the ground. And, uh, like you gotta be kidding me you know this is too good to be true the deer was bedded in a spot where he felt like he could crawl up over the top of the ridge with just an off wind and you know get a shot at this deer as he stood up inside of 40 yards so he makes a loop around the deer uses puts some terrain between him and the deer moves fast gets up to a point where you know he needs to start crawling and he's crawling and he's looking and he's not seeing the deer where he thought he would and crawling and he's crawling and he said finally you know it just went on long enough that I started getting lazy and I started thinking well he's not there well he probably moved well he's you know he probably got up and chased a doe and he's just like basically convincing himself that it's not really worth it to keep doing this and then he started getting lazy and he eventually stood up and when he stood up too much the deer saw him and took off there he was so that's totally, you're just speaking my stories right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every one of them. And you know, the thing is, is like, I think that we get, you know, we get in our heads, like there's, there's two, there, you know, there's a couple things you get in your head. It's like, well, I'm wasting my time. Well, if you've committed to it, you're absolutely not wasting your time. The only thing that's going to make you waste your time is if you don't, you know, basically if you, you, you uh, take a playoff, I guess, you know, you're, does not the, committed. Does the camera accountability help for you? Um, you know, like the the pressure of you know knowing that you know everyone's going to see this and you know, you know you can't, I don't, to be honest, you, you can't maybe, speed up and ruin it at the very end. Yeah, I think I think honestly, I, I don't even really the camera isn't really even there to me. I don't know. Maybe cool. you can tell by watching the videos, but you know, I don't. <laughs> I'm, Pretty much just myself out there having a good time. And then we make a video and it's like, oh yeah, that's cool. You know, it's just like, yeah. it's just me. It's just hunting with a partner, I think is the big thing is what I, the way I view it. And okay. it's not really about, it's not really about, uh, you know, I don't, I know I'm going to make mistakes. So I guess that's not really a part of it. It's mostly just, um, you know, again, if I'm going to commit my time to it, I don't want to just start to give up on it and, and, because that's what I'll really regret, you know. And I think that we can all say that for those of us have that have had failed ground hunts, you know, it's um, when you, when you really look back on mistakes that you kick yourself the most, it's when you just got lazy and yeah, really, yeah. I mean, that could go for any hunt. I mean, that could go for a tree stand hunt just as well. You get lazy and you start to take a play off, and all of a sudden it starts to unfold in front of you, and you're not ready, and you mess it up, and then then you kick yourself but yeah that's that's the biggest thing and then the other thing that i was going to touch on real quick with the with the you know the cadence i call it the cadence you know you might be walking like there's a lot of situations where i'll be like moving really really fast and then it's just like 
it's like the brakes get pumped immediately for like two yards and I peek over something, you know, and it's like a lot of that comes with experience of doing it. But also if you think about like every time you break into a, you know, break over terrain or break through vegetation, it's almost like you enter this whole new, uh, area that you can see and same with the animals. And if you're thinking about always what can see me right now, what can hear me right now? And then where's the next place that a new animal or, or like you'd have to be in a different location to hear me or see me. Does that make sense? So, uh, an easy one is just a simple hill. So like if you're standing at the bottom of a hill, everything on that hillside at this point has probably, you know, it's above you looking down. It's probably seen you or heard you. And that means you can go up the backside of, or the, that side of the hill fast, which would be the backside of the hill for the next, you know, valley over. So you can move up really fast, but it's like you really pump the brakes right as you start to crest because on the other side of that hill, nothing over there knows you're there. Does that no, make sense? Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. a lot, a lot of times if, if it, that, that's again, just experience and repetition of doing it. But like, you start to get really confident to where you're not really even thinking about it. You just know that, okay, I can move fast right here because this has seen me. This, this is already blown. I got to get through it to get to the next thing. And, and that really, as you focus on that and you try to improve your efficiency in that, um, and just be honest with yourself, that's another big thing. Like if you, if all of a sudden you just like crashed into this like new drainage and you just like, your gut's telling you, you probably spooked everything. Like you probably did, you know, it's like, be, on, be, on, <laughs> be honest and like, don't, don't, don't try to be like, well, maybe like, I, I don't know, just, just be critical of yourself as you're making moves. And I think that will help. You know, I think you said it, I think you said it best too. Um, you know, going back to what you said about having a cameraman and, uh, you're just being you and, you know, I've, I've, we've had Aaron on the show several times and, and I've told him this as well. You know, so many hunting shows are out there just, just for, to impress people, you know, just oh, yeah. to, to get the biggest deer on the ground and get as much horn on the ground as they can. And, and you guys just have so much fun and it's just, it's yeah. a joy to watch, you know, it's not, it's not every other, every other hunting show I watch, I fast forward to the kill shot and I'm like, cool, move on. Right. Yeah. Um, but you guys with the whole entire process, it's just fun, man. And, uh, and you guys do it and you do it well. So, I mean, keep it up. Thank Especially you. for guys it. who don't have uh, enough time to really hunt a lot because then you, you really feel like you went on the trip with, with the hunting public group. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like a, it's a really cool experience when you watch it. Mm. Now, before we move on, um, you're leaving Denver right now. Uh, some yep. of my, some of my really good friends, uh, over at Rocky mountain specialty gear in Denver and, uh, Mr. Tom Clum over there with solid archery mechanics is one of the top ranked recurve shooters, um, recurve coaches, I should say, uh, in the world. And so as you dive into this, uh, recurve journey, Zach, I would, uh, I, I would encourage you to get a hold of Tom Clum and, uh, and get over there and, and, uh, get some tips and tricks and pointers um my good friend aaron schneider that's his coach and uh and he does it and does it well and and uh rocky mountain specialty gear is just an awesome place so guys go check out rocky mountain specialty gear go check out tom clum go check out solid archery mechanics and uh because i promise you tom will make you a better shot uh he's made me and aaron both a better shot just through a few text messages and phone calls and emails uh, so go check out Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear and Tom Clum and Dan Clum over there. So, um, speaking of recurves, uh, what uh, what caused you to make the switch to a recurve? And you're in that process now. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what caused you to make that switch? Well, I have I, I haven't officially made the switch yet because I haven't gone hunting with it. But um, I'm shoot I'm practicing, and what and really my goal with it right now is practice until I'm ready to hunt with it. And then when I'm ready to hunt with it, hopefully be able to commit to it fully. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to just, um, you know, use it part of the time. I want to commit to doing it full time, but to do that, I'm going to have to get to where I'm confident and confident enough in it. And I'm not there yet. Uh, turkey season, the beginning of turkey season, we were in the right type of campsites where I was able to shoot pretty much every day. And I was 
definitely improving, but then to be completely honest, an entire month has gone by and I haven't drawn the bow. So, um, you know, I was on for about a month and then off for about a month and, you know, I have the summer to really hopefully get serious about it. But, you know, even if I don't end up hunting with it this year, the goal is to, again, just continue to practice until I am confident enough with it because it's just one of those things I feel like, uh, well, I guess to answer your question about why I'm getting into it, I started ground hunting, you know, at the compound. And at first it was like, you know, man, I love the ability to shoot 35 yards and 40 yards. And I mean, potentially further in some situations, but the more I do it, the more it's just like the shots just keep getting closer and closer. And one of the issues that I have with a compound, especially when hunting off the ground is movement you just with you when you got that break of the compound it really just makes a big difference uh, dang <laughs> yeah it's a, the thing is it just looks like a piece of junk and that's the funny part. <laughs> slow down speed <laughs> racer yeah right <laughs> but uh, zach what's the longest shot you've taken in like the last three seasons of the hunting public oh, man. I mean, what, probably. 15, 20 yards? Yeah, 25 probably would okay. be the longest. But, I mean, yeah, not nothing crazy. It, An average of 10 probably? Yeah, I mean, like last year, last season I was in Pennsylvania, I shot a bucket three yards. Yeah. Know, straight up, straight up three yards on the ground. Why don't you just stab him with your arrow? <laughs> <laughs> I, wish the, I wish the video on that one would have been a little bit better, but it was like last light. Yeah, it was just, yeah, it is, it is too bad, but it was one of those situations, situations where it's like, I mean, so close, so close. And you know, when you're, when that's happening, it's just the movement, if the most, the more minimal the movement, the better, Uh, you know, dear, this is one other thing that I, I mean, I try to say this as much as possible. Like we give deer too much credit for what they can see. They're not very good at actually seeing things, especially things that aren't skyline. Like they're great at seeing things that are skyline. So they're great at seeing a guy sitting in a tree stand that ha- that's backlit by you know, the, the sky, but they're not very good at seeing things that are on the ground. And like, it's pretty amazing what you can get away with as long as a deer isn't staring right at you and you're moving. You know, if you're moving, it's pretty much gonna be game over. But if you're not moving, it really takes a lot for them to see you, and it, and it pretty much takes them smelling you to bu- to officially bust, you know. Um, and it seems like, you know, same thing kind of goes for tree stand hunting. You know, your the does are kind of more of a pain where if they see something they're unsure about, they'll keep coming back and checking it. But, like, a buck on the ground doesn't see it very often. And if he does, you know, he's... he's usually going to give up on it pretty quick so like just being able to keep that minimum movement to a minimum has been the biggest draw for the uh, uh recurve and, and i also mentioned this before we started recording i i like watching whitetail adrenaline and um jared scheffler uses longbow and watching him do that i can see and i've talked with him a few times and done podcasts with him too about like why he does it and just kind of the I just feel like it's better suited for ground hunting. And I feel like in a lot of situations it can be actually beneficial to be using that. Just the ability to get shots off quicker and you know, the, the minimal movement is, is important to me. And I think, I think when I'm, you know, really confident shooting it out to 20 yards, making that transition to full, using it full time. The other thing, dude, honestly, things just light. I hate carrying around a compound all day, like moving around all day. That It's weird how much a bow, and like, not just all day, but all season. Like, when you get in a tree stand, you hang your bow up on a tree limb, like, you kind of forget that your bow weighs anything, because it, it is relatively light. But when you're carrying around a compound all day, every day, especially elk hunting, it just, man, it, that really starts to wear on your arms, as, as silly as that sounds, because the bow is wet less than five pounds i think i think it'd be interesting to see how it changes your style of hunting with a recurve just not being able to draw back and just hold it for long periods of time though as a deer is getting closer and closer you know yep that's gonna be interesting for sure i think it'll be interesting but at the same time man it's like there's something about 
just something about like knowing, like, I, I guess let's put it this way. The more, the more I've done it, the more I realize that like, there's, I mean, I guess we, we always realize this for the most part with when a deer's looking at you and when it's not and, like those things, man, they will just straight up give up and they'll turn their head. And it's like, they turn their head. You don't really need to hold the bow back for a long time. Cause that's the other no. thing in, in all these deer that I've shot. It's not like I've been drawn for, you know, a super long time that, I think uh, that I'm like, well, you know, I wouldn't have pulled that off of the recurve. I don't, there's really never been much of a situation of that. It's more just using the cover and getting your body into a position where you can draw the bow back. And what I do a lot with the compound is I just draw the bow pointing straight, like straight down or as low to the ground as I can. And then I bring it up. So like with the recurve, still making some sort of movement, but it just seems like more, uh, a much more controlled movement versus when you're when you're pulling over that hump of the compound, you just get a lot of extra movement in there. What uh, what recurve did you go with? Well, I've got a few options that I'm I'm playing around with, but I've got the the Grizzly, the Super Cody, or maybe it's a Super Grizzly. Man, I don't know. I'm terrible with I'm terrible with gear. <laughs> I, cut, I get at the grizzly and it, maybe it's a super grizzly it's a 40 where I was when I first started shooting it I was like man this thing is not even that hard to pull back but you shoot it you know, a handful of times it starts to wear you out so that is one thing man you get you get tired a lot quicker shooting your recurve oh yeah you can go out and shoot a compound you know 100 arrows in an afternoon uh, recurve you shoot about 20 times and uh, you can feel oh, yeah. it yeah, for sure. So I, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to. I'm hoping on this this western part of the turkey turkey tour here, I can get back to shooting it a little bit more. You know, it's one of those things. Throw the target out at camp, and you get the right campsite. And the problem is, with some of the areas that we were hunting turkey, just too many people around. You know, it just isn't really the best area to be shooting. But where we first started, like I said, for the first month of the turkey tour, I was shooting it every day. So get back into that. Now run me through your uh, run me through your compound setup. Uh, my compound setup is, and this is this is all based off of ground hunting too. Uh, I try to shoot the shortest axle to axle bow that I can find, like pretty much. Period. You know, I've been I shot uh, the last two seasons the Bear Divergent. Um, that's a twenty eight axle to axle. I'm shooting it at like whatever seventy pounds. I think, I think for, you know, I basically shoot and draw around, you know, draw the bow, shoot quite a bit. And I feel like I'm in really good shape for shooting a 70 pound bow, but the one advantage you would get dropping down is like you mentioned, the ability to hold it. There's not a ton of situations, like I said, where I thought, man, that would make a game changer, but the one that it would, it would be nice to be, have it a little bit lower, I think. So the other thing is, is I'm not, it's not like I'm shooting know across the food plot at 60 yards like i mean i wouldn't be able to shoot that far necessarily anyway but it's just one of those things like most of the shots are pretty close a 60 pound bow will do the trick shooting you know lower poundage is probably the better option although i haven't done that yet i know it would be beneficial and then the uh, other thing is is just that short axle to axle i think is I think it's super important just because it allows you to get the bow in a lot of different places. And I like to still hunt just as much as I like to stalk something. And when you're still hunting, you just, ne there's no real setup. It's just wherever you kind of end up as the action starts to play out. And you, know, you may, you may move up and jump into like a little temporary setup and all of a sudden a buck's coming in and you know, the more places you can get your bow in freely is, is ideal. So I think, I think that's important, but but if you're a guy sitting here and all of a sudden you're like, man, I got a 34 inch axle axle bow, like, don't worry about it. It's just be conscious of where your bow is in relation to everything else out there. Cause you never know when your arrow, you know, I think one of the stories that I hear a lot is like, um, my arrow deflected off something that was, you know, right in front of my bow and I didn't see it. Or, you know, my, it's the same thing in a tree stand too. Like my, my limbs hit a, you know, a, a tree or a, a different tree limb or whatever it may be, and you know, that throws the shot way off. Being conscious of where your bow is and practice draw, man. Like, just draw that bow. I can't stress that enough. I'd say this 
to my buddies all the time. Like, I'll tell them over 100, like, you're stressing me out because you're not drawing your bow. Like, you have to draw more. You have to know where that bow is because as soon as you don't and you draw and your, you know, your, your limb hits something and it makes a little rustle or something and it, it stops the deer short and he starts looking, you know, it may, he may not get into your lane, whatever it may be, but just like always be conscious of where that bow is in relation to everything. And when in doubt, stay further away from stuff than closer to it. Like if you get front cover, you jam yourself right up into front cover, you're not going to be able to get that bow up freely. But if you hang back from that front cover a little bit, you know, it's you're going to be able to get up and move the bow right to left and kind of follow if you need to. The uh, the Divergent is is one of the finest bows I believe Bears ever made. Yeah, um, I love it. Have you ever shot the Divergent EKO, its predecessor? I I actually am probably going to shoot that this year uh, as far as the compound goes. I have one that I'm going to set up, so looking forward to getting that set up this summer. It is one of the – it's one of the best bows, man. I absolutely have fallen in love with the – with the EKO cam and uh, and the Divergent is is like you said, it's such a small bow, yeah. and uh, and then you put that cam on there that just performs incredibly, and uh, you've got yourself a stinking deadly package is what you've got. Yeah. Um, now I'll say this too, I got my wife uh, one of the little legits, and uh, and I've been blown away by the thing, by the way that thing shoots. I'm like, man, I got a full package bow, uh, and you know you can pick them up at Cabela's for three hundred bucks, and uh, and that thing is a phenomenal shooting bow. Uh, yeah. That little divergent, or that little uh, the the legit. Um, now, one thing I wanted to ask you, and I'm going to ask the tough questions, and I'll leave the easy ones to Aaron. How much coffee do you consume in a day? That was my question. He totally stole uh, my question, dude. Oh man, a lot. I, I always start. All right, hold on. Here's how the question is supposed to go. <laughs> How much coffee is the human body capable of taking? Yeah, there you go. Because uh, <laughs> you would know. No. Well, earlier when you were talking about slowing down, or when Aaron was asking about slowing down, I'm like, I don't know how he ever slows down. Yeah. Because the dude's got got caffeine rushing through his veins at any given time. Well, you know, every morning I have to have it. That's one thing. Like, what, a absolutely. I not a gallon. I make a extremely strong i have a jet boil so like i put a ton in, uh, in like my little french i do like a little press you know it's like a jet boil french press attachment um i make that puppy dark and it is thick and it is strong stuff so i usually just start with one of those and then you know throughout the day just take it when i can get it man like it depends on the time of the year you know i would say uh most of the time though throughout the season i'm doing at least a couple of those a day now where it gets really weird is when i'm driving like you know you start getting a little <laughs> That's a good bit, way to put it yeah you start getting tired and then you do a do a cup of you know like a 24 ouncer black coffee and i only drink it i only like to drink it black i'll occasionally buy like uh you know those like starbucks like cans that are like double or triple shot even <laughs> Occasionally I get those, and those are a little bit sweeter. But I try not to. I try not to drink those too much, just because they're like a ton of calories. But um, you know, it amazes me that you're able to stay, you know, super focused and be on a deer for hours on end when you have that much coffee. And we probably shouldn't go here on the podcast, but I think everyone's <laughs> minds going to the same place. You know, I'd be every twenty minutes, I'd be uh, taking a pause, taking a whiz. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. Oh, that that though too. I mean, definitely. I I have my fair share of bathroom breaks out there for sure. And I think I think uh, you know the the thing about it though with the it actually keeps me pretty focused. I think I don't get too too like uh, I don't really get too jittery. I definitely get to where I'm like way more fired up, and I think uh, that's the best way to put it. Like. I definitely will start talking more when I get more caffeine in me, but also. But do you um, have it now? I, I actually just drank <laughs> a, uh, I just drank a caffeine seltzer water, so. Okay. You know, getting some in there, but I do, I do, um, I do think that it just like it gets me physically revved up too, and that's that's important. Like, I think if you feel tired and lethargic when you're out there, you're just not gonna like 
be aggressive enough or you're not going to like do what it takes. Like it's, it's generally like uh, if we're talking stalking a buck or even just moving slow through the woods, it's, it's a semi uncomfortable feeling. And, and I think that if you're, you know, feeling lethargic or slow or groggy, you know, you're just going to get lazier with it. And I think that honestly caffeine, <laughs> I mean, I think it helps. I, I think getting like extremely, you know, amped up is, and that's just the way I like to live my life when I'm you know, doing the things I like to do. Like, like when I like playing football, when I played football, man, I got pretty amped up. So it's like kind of the same thing. It's if you can get just really ultra, like get all your energy and be ultra focused. That's ideal for being on the ground for sure. All right, Zach, I got two questions for you. First question. At what point do you call it quits on a stock? Like how many hours could you go before, you know, you're going to back out and come back the next day? You know, if, assuming you've got daylight, it starts in the morning. Could you go all day? It's like, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's so the first I, I started, I started, this is a game changer. And like, I highly recommend it to anybody. It's like, I have a water bladder that's three liters and I, I, like that thing's full, I can absolutely make it a whole day. Um, I think that that's the number one thing because even if you don't have food, you may get a little grumpy, but like if you're willing to be, you know, stay focused and, you know, just the biggest thing I think that people don't realize and, you know, just in general, I mean, you could, you could say this about everyday life. If you're not drinking water, you don't feel good. And like sometimes we don't even realize that we're not, like today, I, I, I did it today. All of a sudden, I'm like, man, I am feeling lethargic and kind of like just not not a hundred percent because I'm not drinking enough water. And I, when I used to go hunting, I would get so drained, dehydrated, and like, you know, it's like everything gets amplified. Like you're too hot, and and it's just like unbearable, unbearably hot. Like, you know, it, everything's kind of sunny and dry, and it wears you out, and you can feel tired. And if you're a little bit tired already dehydrated you feel even more tired and i think that honestly drinking water is the number one thing so you don't feel it you don't fill it with coffee then you're saying three what? three liters of coffee <laughs> no 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 <laughs> i have the coffee in the morning and then it's just yeah and honestly before i go out the other thing i do is i drink like at least one liter of water every day so then i have to be on my back too the whole rest of the day so coffee water and then really being hydrated throughout the day, you'd be surprised at how, you know, you stay, it's bearable, the hunger at least. And then you throw a couple of granola bars or whatever, you do some like snacks throughout the day, you can easily make it a whole day. And, you know, to answer the question, like if I have confidence that the deer is either there, like I could see him or, you know, I just trust that he's there or whatever the situation, if I got confidence in it, like I'll, I'll absolutely wait, wait all day and put an entire day into it. It's like, because part of the biggest problem with deer, unlike turkey a little bit, is like you leave a turkey and you don't spook him, like he's probably gonna be in that general vicinity the following day. It'd be pretty easy to relocate him because he's gobbling. If a deer you leave him, there ain't a good chance he's not even gonna be there the next day. So like I don't like waiting around and like hoping that there's a good chance tomorrow. I mean, there's some situations again where Maybe you can see a long way. Maybe you're in a western state where you can get up on a high point at a classing knob and find the same deer day after day. But, like, especially when you get in the hardwoods, man, it's like you don't know if he's going to be on this ridge or, you know, three-quarters of a mile to the north on a different ridge. And it's just it's just difficult to um, difficult to give up on one when you know he's there. That's that's for sure. You had that, that one hunt where you uh... – you guys hiked in, what was it, eight or nine miles, and you didn't even know what the area looked like. Yeah. And, and you put a stock on a buck and shot it and had to pack it out. Where was that? <laughs> that was in Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. yeah. That was a, that's a hilarious one. Like, it was, it, that was, it like, was light out when you guys were done, right? No, no. It was, it was, it was like five in the morning. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, it got, it got dark. That was around... Uh, I want to say that was, shoot, what did that have been? Early December. So, like, early December days are pretty short. So, I think it was probably getting dark at, at 5 p.m. 
p.m. and it was yeah. about I think it was about eleven thirty or eleven forty-five when we got done, and that was rough. I mean, it was it was super fun, but like it was definitely physically demanding. That would be a tough one to do without your buddies, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, it would, it would have been a way different story because because you'd have had to go. Huh? You could probably. <laughs> You could do a whole deer by yourself packing it out like that, but like seven miles is just a long way. Like that's well, even just way. even just the motivation to get back there just to check it out right. by yourself in no. December. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> tough. So yeah. I uh, I was curious to know too. Um, when it comes to when it comes to hunting deer from the ground, how much flack do you get? Like how much pushback do you get from people saying like? Well, if you were just in a tree stand or why do you do it that way? Or you're going to spook more deer that way. Or, I mean, how much kind of that pushback do you get? Um, I mean, the more I do it, the less I get, I feel like, or the the less I pay attention to it. I mean, or maybe it stayed the same and I just, you know, expect it these days. Um, You know, it's one of those things, I guess, like people, people don't like something different a lot of times. Like, and that's, I don't know, it's just kind of lame if you ask me. Like, if anything's different, people always just want to be, like, super quick to judge it and put it down and never really give it a chance, where I think that's just ultimately what it comes down to. It's like, man, give, give stuff a chance. Like, you know, be willing to be open-minded when it comes to new things, because I truly believe that it is more effective for, for the right type of person and the right, maybe, personality or, you know... Uh, type of patients, I think it's more effective than tree stand hunting. Like I'm getting way more opportunities now than I ever was out of a tree stand, hands down, like way more. Um, and you know, older bucks. I just think that people that don't like it, I mean, it definitely exists and people there's, I'm sure there's people that just straight up hate me, but like, whatever, man, like I, I, it's totally legal. I, there's nothing wrong with it, and not everybody has to do things exactly the same way. You know, you could, it has the same thing with like like elk hunters. You know, there's there's elk hunters that you know the way I like to elk hunt is move and bugle and try to get a bull bugling. Um, some guys like to sit on a water hole all afternoon. Like, I mean, you can pay me to sit on a water hole afternoon. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, like that's just not my interest. So. Um, teach their own, I guess. And there's always going to be haters out there, but it's one of those things that I'm not. And, I, and, and the other thing is too, you know, if I'm going into a place to hunt, you know, I'm at all costs, like avoiding everybody else. Like I don't, I'm not just like running through people ever, ever. If I know people are there, you know, I just will go somewhere else. It's not worth it. The uh, hunting on the ground it also really opens up a lot of opportunities for getting in some of these bedding areas where it's just, you know, grassy, you know, willow trees and, you know, the, the type of terrain where you can't put a stand. And if you put a ground blind, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb, yeah. let alone the fact that you're going right into the middle of a bedding area. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. That, how, yeah. That's the other thing. I feel like it just, it allows you to get into places that guys in tree stands like, just absolutely can't get to because there's no tree to put a tree stand how much time zach do you think you spend scouting versus going in for a kill um you know when you spot a buck because you know when we watch it on camera a lot of times it kind of seems like we don't get to see the four or five days of film of you sitting on a hill yeah um i guess a lot of times like it depends on the setting you know that's the big thing um, you know, out west, I guess it's like you're more just trying to get to a position where you can see a lot. Um, and, and, I, and by out west, I mean even as close as Iowa, you know, and I was hunting there. Um, Iowa or um, just anywhere where there's like broken country, broken habitat. But then it's a lot different when you're hunting solid hardwoods. Like I hunted Ohio a lot last year and that that area is not open at all like it's nothing but timber so uh, you know there's not really as much of an opportunity there to get eyes on stuff and just like straight stalk something but there's definitely opportunity to move around and find 
where the sign is fresh and just put yourself in an area where, you know, you're hopefully going to see something or, you know, I think, in, I, I guess, let's say, let's just use the hardwood setting, for example, in the hills, like, you're always trying, well, actually, let me get, let me get, before I get too ahead of myself. Ideally, you're always trying to get a visual on something that you're wanting to pursue, right? That obviously helps a ton. Um, a lot of times in the hardwood setting, if you get yourself into a position where you feel confident that something may come through there within bow range, you know, that's great, but you also try to stay in a position where you can make a move easily. So like a couple examples that I could use are like, you know, on the top of a ridge, if something you know, gets out of sight, you can always drop on the backside of the ridge and move towards it and then pop back up and, you know, hope, just use terrain to get closer. Or if you're sitting down low in a creek bottom and all of a sudden you see a deer move across the creek bottom or parallel to the creek and you're like, man, if I just move up, you know, 50 yards, I can get potentially in range. Well, if that's the case, you can just jump in that creek and be virtually silent making that move. Um, you'll see us do stuff like that a lot, like jumping in a creek bottom, cover ground really fast, or just using the backside of a hill to cut a bunch of distance. Um, you know, so I guess how you get there though, too, for like hunting, um, let's say we use the example of hardwoods. A lot of times what we're doing is, it's just the classic, like you pick a spot on a map, you feel confident looking for like diversity looking for uh, the type of terrain that you're expecting deer to spend their time in and then move through that area in a, in a way that is slow enough where you don't feel like you're going to spook deer, but also getting close enough to say, okay, they're coming in and out of this location. I'm going to start investing some more time in here. Sometimes it takes a handful of days. Sometimes you're right on your first guess and um, sometimes it takes a little bit of like poking around to figure out exactly where you need to be as far as getting close enough to, you know, actually get a shot on something. A lot of times, um, I would say, a lot of times I would say I'm, I would, on average, it's like day six. I'd say day six is typically when the opportunity comes. So, you know, I think of it like probably three days of hunting, finding the best area two days of picking apart that best area and then on day five six seven somewhere in there you finally you know put all the pieces of the puzzle together um that even kind of comes down with uh the the western stuff too because in those situations you're looking at um a spot or you're, you're looking at you're going in class in multiple spots you're just trying to find a buck that you want to chase and um it sometimes takes a handful of days before you actually find where the highest deer density is and then finally starts to play out you find one and get your chance to make a move now i got one question for you that i like to ask my guests and uh and i work with a company by the name of uh rebel six rubs uh head over to rebel six rubs.com use code bear bear 101 uh to get 20 percent off but i like to ask all of my guests uh what's your favorite wild game to eat Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, I eat so much of it that it's like, I don't want to make it sound like I don't like anything, but man, I shot a pronghorn this past year. And as far as like hoofed creatures, I would say that that's like definitely a standout, like surprisingly yeah, heard good. that a lot. Um, you know, I like, I love whitetail. Whitetail is always great. Uh, boys like mule deer. I really like elk. I think, I think with elk, my, my theory on elk and why everybody likes it so much is I feel like it just tastes a little bit more like what people are used to and people are used to beef. So I think it tastes a little bit more like uh, beef, not as much. Um, it's not that it's not as much of a surprise. Like when you eat, uh, if you give it like a non-hunter whitetail for the first time, they're like, whoa, this is different. And it kind of triggers this um, different, you know, you get a different taste. So it triggers the like, oh, this is like, has a gamey flavor and it's not gamey. It's just deer. You know, it's just like, it's just not a cow. At least that's my opinion on it. And no, then, you're right. My, my pet peeve is when people say, and I told this to Aaron the other day is, is when people say it just tastes gamey. No, it just doesn't taste like 
beef or chicken or yeah. pork. Uh, it tastes like venison or it tastes like antelope or it tastes like elk. Uh, I'm glad you said elk because uh, Rebel Six, they're, one of my favorite ones of their rubs is their elk rub. I put it on everything, and uh, it's just delicious. So, uh, no, I was just curious. Um, well, I ha- I didn't finish, though. My absolute favorite is, believe it or not, turkey. <laughs> if I had to choose, I mean, if I could just eat endless supply of turkey, that'd be pretty sweet. Wild turkey, man, that's that's the that's the real deal to me. Yeah, we have wild turkey every year at uh, Family Thanksgiving, as well as pheasant and quail. Um oh. And pheasant and quail are two of my absolute favorite. So, um, you know, Fred Bear uh, was big on his field notes. So I also like to ask all of my guests uh, to share with me a field note you've learned over the years. Uh, just something I can take and put in my back pocket and make myself a better hunter. And in your case, a better ground hunter. Uh, something that will make me a better sportsman. And, uh, you know, just, just share with me something that you've learned over the years. Uh, I guess... Uh... I guess the biggest thing that I would say is like, don't get, I guess my biggest tip with hunting and ground hunting in general is like, don't get too, like podcasts are great and watching videos are great. And like, you know, watching, like, let's say you want to hunt off the ground. You want to watch, um, you want to watch other people do it. Right. Don't get too caught up though. in this is the way that it has to be, or that there's a specific formula. Like I can't explain how much I just go out and like, there's no rules, man. Like I literally am walking from the truck and like put the wind in my favor and I'm just going. And yeah, I have a couple pit stops in mind of specifics that I'm going to check out, but like no real, real like rhyme or reason a lot of times other than, Hey, I think this looks pretty good. I'm going to go with my gut and I'm going to go get in there and just feel it out. Um, you know, I just think that, yeah, I like, I guess I sometimes kind of crack up to myself listening to uh, folks talk about like such an incredibly fine details of like, like which exact spot the buck's going to J hook into the scrape and how his body's oriented and this and that. I mean, I think that stuff's like, by all means, like if you're thinking of stuff at a, you know, a deep level, like that's cool, but like don't get so caught up in the specifics that, you know, you, you get um, too caught up doing the same thing and then you know I guess the other things are just uh, as far as ground hunting goes deer just man just trust it they can't see as well as they as you think I mean they can smell you but they just can't really see all that well and uh, yeah man just get out there and get after them and have a good time with it because I think if you feel like you're not getting the most out of hunting or not as much out of it as you want, you know, get out of your comfort zone and try something different. The opportunities there, just, you know, don't be afraid of failure. If you're afraid of failure, you're never going to do anything different. And that may also just make you continue to fail. <laughs> so with ground hunting, Zach, is, uh, at this point is, is your hair part of your ghillie suit? Yeah, is it, oh, you know, yeah for you sure. Know, you have to keep it at this point. Yeah. Because it's game changer. I mean, you, you, it really you, is. you have no outline at this point. Yeah, I, I think it's the. I'm I'm not I'm not you know, like kidding at all. Like it it totally is part of it. I mean, I had <coughs> I had long hair before I started ground hunting, but you know now it's like it really does break you up. It breaks up the head and the shoulders, and I think that um, all game kind of hits a point where they see that head and shoulder and that is like, that's a human, that's a human outline. That's danger. Right. <coughs> and I think that, um, anyway, you can break that up. Even if you don't have long hair, like if you set up, I don't think a ghillie suit, I, I think a ghillie suit is super helpful. If you got a set up and you know where you're going, um, and you're setting up on the ground, I think it breaks you up incredibly well. But if you wanted something that's like a little bit more lightweight, you can honestly just get like a ghillie hat, you know, that like yeah. you could drape over your head and shoulders and just kind of break that outline up a little bit. So, yeah, totally part of the. I don't even wear the ghillie suit anymore. It's just there, man. <laughs> now, uh, what's your arrow setup look like going into a recurve? Uh, <laughs> I don't have any real specifics right now. Right now, I'm just kind of shooting to get some repetition, but. I will get 
something heavy, and I'll be shooting a single bevel broadhead, I'd say. It's just, haven't really gotten too too down to the nitty gritty yet, man. I do a lot of turkey hunting. I don't really have a lot of time for bow stuff right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Why shoot at targets when you can shoot at, at turkeys, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, it's one of those things that uh, I'll uh, get more serious about here in the next month or so once turkey season's over. Well, Zach, I, uh, man, I appreciate you coming on. I am a, uh, I've, I've personally become a big fan of the hunting public over the last uh, few months and uh, excited to see what you guys can do this year. Awesome. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been fun. And I'm going to send you a picture of my first, uh, my first spot and stock on the ground whitetail and, uh, and give you all the thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds sweet, man. Guys, thanks for listening. You guys have a great week.